0: On this episode of Taking Stock, Do you pay your car or home insurance monthly? Well, if you do, that may no longer be an option soon. You'll have to find the full year's payment up front. And that's because the Financial Services Commission, FSC, has reportedly signaled that it wants to ban insurance premium financing. We'll hear more from Managing Director at BCIC Insurance, Peter Levy.
1: What is it that's driving the regulator to take this view? Specifically, what behavior are they trying to? Prevent And let's stamp out that behavior without, as I say, eliminating the whole structure of of premium financing. And
0: the analysts weigh in on the latest market developments. The government of Jamaica has announced seven no-movement days over the next three weeks. Many businesses tend to lose a significant portion of their revenue.
2: Fast food place, um, the cinemas. Uh, You know, the places that people must go to. Transportation
0: industry, the taxi men are not going to be happy.
2: They are not going to be happy. So those really are impacted. And I can understand that they are not happy. You know, there's going to be some shortfall in revenue and their ability to to, to recover uh, is key.
0: The jump in food prices has pushed inflation to its highest in a single month for almost seven years, according to Statin.
3: If you're having just no business activity and you know, need to let this and dollars going in one direction, in a sense. If you no know commerce, then you might look at deflation because businesses just might close.
0: And overseas, the Taliban has retaken Afghanistan. How is that affecting global markets?
4: One of the main things that happens when you have any form of unrest like this, and to that extent, it creates a lot of investor uncertainty. Because of that, you're gonna see the financial markets falling off because people are afraid to invest the money out of fear of not knowing what the future will hold.
0: I'm Kalila Reynolds and welcome to Taking Stock. We're bringing you all the latest business news and telling you how it will affect you and your money. But before we get started, head over to my website, kalilareynoldscom slash newsletter to get my newsletter straight to your inbox twice a week. You can click the link up here or in the description box below. Now, come on, let's get this money.
5: But first, here's what's hot. Brought to you by Jamaica Money Market Brokers, your best interest at heart. The National Commercial Bank Financial Group has extended its bond offer to September 9. The offer, which opened on August 13, was initially scheduled to close on September 3. However, the extension was granted in light of the seven no-movement days announced by the government recently to curb the surge in COVID-19 cases. NCBFG's bond is expected to be listed under the JSC private bond market. The bond will mature in three years and pay 6% interest per year. Interest will be paid twice a year. The minimum investment is $100,000. NCB Financial Group says the funds from the bond will be used to refinance existing debt and reprofile the group's liabilities. Meanwhile, NCB says it will convert six more locations to digital branches starting October 1. These include the branches on Knotsford Boulevard in New Kingston, Portmore, Bay West in St. James, Falmouth and Christiana in Manchester. The NCB branch in Port Maria, St. Mary, will also be converted to a digital branch in November following the completion of a new branch office. The bank says the changes are part of the new phase of its branch modernization program. NCB said customers can still conduct a range of transactions at the digital branches, including JMD cash and check transactions, international wire transfers, U.S. visa fee payments, account opening and credit card and loan applications. Special arrangements have been made for special needs groups. The Bank of Jamaica BOJ could start raising interest rates as early as next month as it moves to contain inflation. Last week, the Bank's Monetary Policy Committee decided to hold interest rates at a historic low of 0.5%. However, in a subsequent press release, it noted that it would be tightening monetary policy based on near-term concerns about inflation. The bank said it will implement other measures aimed at containing the amount of Jamaican dollar it issues into the economy and also seek to ensure that movements in the exchange rate do not threaten the inflation target. The meeting to consider these measures is set for late September, with the announcement on the decision scheduled for September 30. Meanwhile in July, the price of goods and services rose the highest in a single month since 2014. According to the Statistical Institute of Jamaica Statin, inflation in July was 1.5%. This was largely due to a 2% increase in food prices. Inflation was also impacted by high electricity, sewage and water rates. Higher toll charges also led to an almost 1% increase in the transport sector, while higher prices for meals contributed to a 3% increase in the restaurant and accommodation services division. The 12-month inflation rate up to July now stands at 5.3%. It will cost the Jamaican government at least $171 million to fix roads and infrastructure damaged by Tropical Storm Grace last week. Prime Minister Andrew Holness disclosed the preliminary estimate at a press conference last week. The figure is based on assessments by the National Works Agency, NWA. Six parishes were badly damaged, including Kingston, St. Andrew, St. Thomas, Portland, St. Mary and Clarendon. Several communities and close to 200 roads were flooded. The Prime Minister said money would be budgeted to fix damaged roads and infrastructure. And Jamaica has been approved to access a further 60,000 U.S. dollars via WePay's Digital Payments Transformation Fund. The payment provider had created the fund at the onset of the pandemic for the advancement of the use of technology within the region. WePay Caribbean committed $1 million U.S. million to the fund and made it accessible to governments, state entities, NGOs and fintech companies. The fund has been used in 10 payment digitization projects across five countries. To date, WePay Jamaica has accessed $160,000 U.S. from the fund. The latest project, set to gain access, is a digital grant involving a St. Elizabeth Member of Parliament, Food for the Poor, WePay Jamaica, the Progressive Group, and Petcom. Meanwhile, WePay Jamaica will also be partnering with the Bounty Foundation, the Progressive Group, and JMMB to distribute a COVID-19 relief grant to needy persons island-wide using WePay's digital fiat or QR code technology. What's hot was brought to you by Jamaica Money Market Brokers, your best interest at heart.
0: And when we come back, there's a move afoot to ban the ability to pay monthly installments on car and home insurance. But why? We'll find out more. Hey, moneymakers! You're not an official part of the family until you have your merch. Visit slash store to order your t shirt and your mask. Today, let's get this money. This segment of Taking Stock is brought to you by Bulwark Insurance Agency. Insurance made easy. Car insurance is expensive. It's just one of those big annual payments that you know you have to plan and save up for. So many people opt to pay in monthly installments with interest. This is called insurance premium financing. But the Financial Services Commission, FSC, which regulates insurance companies, reportedly wants to ban this practice. Joining us now to discuss is Managing Director at British Caribbean Insurance Company, BCIC, Peter Levy. We also reached out to the FSC to participate in this program, but we have yet to receive a response. Peter, welcome to the show. Glad to have you.
1: Hi. uh, Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: So this is a very interesting situation, but let's start by, first of all, explaining what is insurance premium financing?
1: Okay, well, um, I'll I'll try and give it a uh, simple version, which insurance companies are not famous for being able to do, but I'll do my best. Um, So insurance premium financing is a way for customers, policyholders of insurance to uh, pay the, the premiums over a longer period of time so that they don't have to find the annual premium upfront at the beginning of the policy period, which can be quite burdensome. Um, And so it's a type of loan, really, where the the amount of the premium, let's say the premium is $60,000 for the year. The Either a, a lending a, a finance company or the insurance company itself will finance that premium. So they'll take the $60,000 and they'll lend it to the policyholder, but he won't actually receive the cash. The insurance company will get paid that money and then the policyholder will have to pay $5,000 a month over the next 12 months um, to to pay back for the, the loan of the insurance plus premium. Some, so,
0: plus some interest, so it wouldn't be exactly... Plus some interest, percent.
1: you're right, yeah, yeah. Yeah I was trying to keep it simple but yeah there's an interest charge um attached to it as with any loan um typically you're talking about kind of 7 8 to 10 or so percent interest depending on the duration of the loan and the amount involved um so you know as as consumer loans go it's it's not um it's not all that high a price to pay um, it's certainly cheaper than putting it on your credit card for instance and, and making payments to your credit card normally credit card interest is somewhere in the region of 40 odd percent so it's a pretty good option for people um, and the, um, the what happens is if, if the security for the loan is in fact the on. Un- expired portion of the policy and that's where it gets it can get a little tricky for people so basically going back to that example you've you've borrowed sixty thousand dollars it's gone to the insurance company to pay for your insurance for your car uh you've paid the first payment you've paid the second payment and then you miss the third payment after a grace period which typically might be five to seven to maybe ten days uh if you aren't able to make an arrangement to the satisfaction of the the lender, then they have the right to cancel the policy, to instruct the insurance company to cancel the policy. And then there's a refund which comes off of the policy which goes to the lender. So that's where the, the lender gets his money back safely. And you then have to go and secure insurance again. Now you've only paid for what you've received, which is the two or three months. So you're not being significantly disadvantaged as a policyholder. But you have to honor your obligations to pay the premium; otherwise, you're going to lose your insurance coverage. So that's really the way it works. And um, and yeah. So let me let me just leave it, leave it there for now. And you can ask me any questions if there's anything that isn't clear about that.
0: Okay. So when people uh, choose to pay in monthly installments, what they're really doing is actually taking a loan. Sometimes from the insurance company, for example, there at BCIC you do offer that option, and I right. exercised that option in the past. And that, but not all insurance companies offer this option. So, what would people do in that case?
1: Right. So there are uh, specialist premium finance companies that offer financing for customers, no matter where you're insured. They um they there are a few. There, there are three or four of them for who might offer it for private individuals, but it's a. It's um, a lot of them have kind of a, a minimum below which they will not do a premium financing deal because the cost of admin is just going to eat up all of the profits. So um, what we find is that it's readily available for commercial um, policyholders for for larger premiums. But this the supply of premium financing for the individual, um, you know, whether it's a individual kind of um, just insuring his private car, whether third party or comprehensively, or like an individual taxi owner or whatever, um, the, the supply of of premium financing or the availability of premium financing for that smaller customer has been very has been kind of re- reducing and diminishing. Um, the, the companies that are in this business prefer to do bigger deals um, with, with higher higher sticker prices attached to them.
0: So there are quite a number of people who take advantage of this. Like I said, I've done it in the past. And I know for people who can't afford that $60,000, 70000 $80,000 up front, it is very affordable to be able to have this option. So why is there a proposal now for this to be eliminated? What's well,
1: the reason? Yeah, I mean, first of all, in respect to the popularity, you're absolutely right. I mean, we have BCIC last year, which, of course, was a, it was really important in, in, the, in the kind of pandemic times for people to have kind of options. People were stretched. There wasn't as much money coming in. And we did something like 20,000 uh, premium finance deals um, last year. So 20,000 policyholders who chose that option. Out of how
0: many? Out of we how have many? like
1: we have somewhere around a hundred thousand policies so in about, force.
0: So about twenty percent of your yeah sales. yeah
1: yeah, and and it's been growing year on year. Um, and you know we, we've had we've had um, we've had people tell us we had a taxi operator who told us that when he looked at he had been in the habit of um, of, of getting a forged certificate. To satisfy the trans- transport authority and the um, tax authorities and the police and when he heard about our premium financing terms he realized that what he was paying for that first certificate is about the same as the monthly payment really <laughs> so he was like well i might as well do it legit yeah you know and i, I think that's an that's a powerful statement because it, is. it goes to show like he 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 couldn't find the lump sum you know taxes they, they live day to day, they earn day to day, and you know it's hard for them to to accumulate enough cash to pay a, a significant insurance premium. So this was a perfect solution. But the point is, without this solution, there was a taxi out there which actually didn't have insurance. The passengers weren't protected. Other people on the road that the taxi driver might have collided with weren't protected. And because we had a solution which matched the needs of that customer you had a whole bunch of people who were protected from something bad happening um right. so it it to me it's a very um it's a very important kind of in means of of inclusion and getting more people um protected than would be the case without it why there is a, a sentiment um with the regulators that there's something wrong with it. Um, I really can't explain because they haven't really been able to explain it to me in a way that I understand. Um, you know, the I think the important with all insurance, there is a, um, there's a kind of gap in knowledge between the ordinary customer and the insurance company, which we have to be aware of, and we have to be careful to, first of all, not to take advantage of people and exploit their lack of knowledge or experience. And then also we have a kind of um, affirmative duty to, to to go out of our way to explain things and to make things clear to customers. And so if if the regulator thinks that that's not being done enough by people who offer premium financing, whether insurance companies or independent um, financing companies, then I think we can talk about having some rules in place, having some guidelines about how the documentation needs to look and what needs to be in there to make customers uh, comfortable with and familiar with the terms of, the, of what they're agreeing to. Um, that, to me, would always be a better option than just saying that it's um, something that shouldn't be, that insurance companies shouldn't do um at all because you know i think you're throwing the baby over the bathwater there and if as i say if there are problems in the current in the way that is done we can solve those problems if we work together
0: so would the the uh financing companies still be able to do it it's only the insurance companies that wouldn't
1: we have we have had again we've had slightly conflicting um information from the regulators, the FSC, on that. Initially, one of the things they were saying was that you shouldn't have the um, insurance companies won't be allowed to cancel an insurance policy on the basis of another agreement, which is the the premium finance agreement, on the strength of that. that. Once the premium is paid in full, the insurance company shouldn't be allowed to cancel a policy. That would impact every lender, whether or not it's a insurance company itself or it's an independent financing company, because that means we couldn't use the policy as the security for the loan, which means it would be an unsecured loan. And it would be up in that 40-50% interest rate region. Um, if so so although they have said um entities connected to insurance companies are the main focus, they have also indicated some discomfort with that aspect of the of the arrangement. And as I say, that would affect independent lenders as well.
0: Still trying to understand why. And I should mention here that we did reach out to the FSC. So for them to participate in this program so we could get their side of the story, because I'm just really trying to understand, well, why yeah. would such a move be taken? So there, there has been some communication between the insurance companies and the FSC. But what I gather from you is that it's been uh, not great.
1: Well, yeah, I, I, I'm, not, I'm still not fully understanding their motivation. I think that they, I think they're focusing in on what might go wrong. And maybe there have been a couple of instances where something did go wrong, but they're not aware of all the good that um, occurs as a result of of this arrangement. I mean, it's essentially uh, it's essentially just a way for people to to manage their expenses a little bit better. And um, it's it's it's. I don't think that they recognize the potential impact on um, the insurance market and on. on the fact that that you know potentially tens of thousands of people could either be entirely unprotected by not having insurance, um, or have gaps in their insurance cover um, because they don't have the money at the time, so they have to wait um, until they collect the money. Whether or not they're actually out on the road driving their vehicles, you know, who, who's to tell? Um, or they were going to buy less coverage because that's all they can afford, you know less coverage than they really want. So they may ha- they may say, well I, I really want to be covered comprehensively, but I cannot ensure the third party right now. So I'm gonna take that. So I don't think those are good outcomes for for people. They're taking on more risk than they actually would would want to. And there's a mechanism that that we can that has been used for decades to help people pay for that risk in a way that's more manageable. And um, you know I just I just think if, As I say, if, there's any, if there are any flaws in that arrangement that, that need to be addressed and looked at, we're more than willing to do so. Let's look at the actual, you know, what is it that's driving the regulator to take this view? Specifically, what behavior are they trying to prevent? And let's stamp out that behavior without, as I say, eliminating the whole structure of, of premium financing.
0: Right. So you said that this type of arrangement has been in place for decades.
1: Yeah. As long as I've been in the business and you can just look at the, the beard and you know that that's a long time.
0: <laughs> oh boy. All right. So, so this affects, is it only car insurance that it affects?
1: No, people finance, homeowners, um, yeah, Home all kinds of policies. Yeah. Insurance. Yeah, absolutely.
0: But not, not health insurance though.
1: We're we we're not in the health insurance. Health and life is a friend business. We're not in that. So yeah, I don't think you can, Um, I'm not sure what credit arrangements those guys offer but um, obviously life insurance is is a monthly payment for most people anyway right. um, so th- they build in the financing into the into the, the, the baseline of the co- contract and you can choose monthly quarterly semi-annually annually and if you stop paying your policy after you've used up the cash accumulation on the policy the policy ceases right it's it's kind of normal if you stop paying for something the service ends so I really don't get what the big um, what the big uh, dislike of this
0: issues. arrangement.
1: Yeah, I really don't. But um, but right now anyways. it's just
0: at the proposal stage, right? Nothing has been passed, and this is something that they have signaled they intend to do. Where where are we now in the process?
1: Yeah. So the the FSC initially. Um, It's been quite a journey. They they issued some guidelines in, I think it was some best practice guidelines um, in 2018, I think it was, uh, that were adopted. And they did not have this kind of um, issue with premium financing. Um, And then last year in August, they issued a concept paper for comment. in which they proposed to take some of those guidelines and and make them into regulations so they would have the force of law because the guidelines are just recommendations for best practices. So now they were going to take some of those best practices and and actually write them into the law. And in that document, we had this general um, prohibition of of premium financing by, by insurance companies or connected Entities, um, we've had a lot of dialogue on it. Um, I've been on, I've been on many calls with the FSC. Um, the industry as a whole has has responded um, with our position, and in particular, um, resisting and and setting out our objections to that approach. Um, but the. Um, the regulators seem to be fairly resolute on the issue um the last meeting I had with them, you know I did put on the table that if should we look at some um, some kind of improvements to the to the arrangement rather than as i say, this nuclear option of of prohibition and theys that seem they seem receptive to that and I'm hopeful that they'll come back to the industry and say, okay, here are the specific issues that we have. How can we deal with them? Um, so I'm still hopeful for a, a peaceful outcome. <laughs> Let's put it that way. And one that preserves the service for right. and the availability of the service for people who really need it. Um, so is it
0: up to the FSC alone to make the determination or would they have to actually go to parliament to get some type of law changed? Yeah,
1: it, it would require a change to the law, which has to go to parliament. And so the Ministry of Finance, which is under whom they, they, under which the FSC exists, you know, they'd have to make a recommendation to the ministry and the ministry would have to agree. So they aren't the final word, but obviously they're fairly persuasive as the regulators responsible for the insurance industry and I would rather deal with them and 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 have us arrive at a place of kind of mutual understanding and where we can both get an outcome that um, that as I say preserves the service for policyholders and potential policyholders uh, without having to get into a You know, a fight at the level of the ministry or the, you know, in in parliament. Political issue,
0: yeah. Get the politicians involved. (laughs) Yeah. Resolve it before it comes to that. No.
1: Yeah, and I think, I think, you know, notwithstanding that I don't really understand what's motivating their their thinking, I I do think that they have, you know, ultimately they have the best interests of the policyholder. They're there to protect insurance consumers primarily. And I don't have any quarrel with that, Um, but I just think in this case that we could modulate the approach somewhat to make sure that we don't do more harm than good.
0: Right. So, well, I hope the FSC sees this and they are able to give us a response because, like you, I'm very curious as to what the motivation is and hoping that there can be some middle ground that's arrived upon so that the service can be Uh, Preserved for customers who simply just can't afford that upfront payment. Thank you so much, Peter.
1: Thanks very much for having me. It's been a pleasure.
0: All right. So what do you think about this issue? Comment below and also take our poll. The link is in the description. Up next, we've got your market recap and the analysts are standing by. This segment of Taking Stock was brought to you by Bulwark Insurance Agency. Insurance made
5: easy. Time now for your market recap. Brought to you by Sagicor Investments. Think wealth, think SagiCore Investments. The Jamaica Stock Exchange declined, with the combined index losing less than 1%. 111 stocks traded across both the main and the junior markets of the JSE for the week ending Friday, August 20, 2021. 33 advanced, 67 declined, and 11 stayed the same. 359 million shares changed hands on the Jamaican dollar market, totaling $5.3 billion. Mayberry Jamaica equities traded the most, taking up 36% of market volume. The stock gained 20 cents to open the week at $9. Supreme Ventures traded the second highest, with people buying and selling nearly 74 million shares in the company. The stock lost 94 cents to close last week at $18.06. And Wigton and Wind Farm Ordinary Shares rounded out the most traded, taking up nearly 7% of market volume. The stock remained unchanged to open the week at 55 cents. Now let's see who had the biggest gains. Radio Jamaica's stock price rose nearly 61% to close last week at $3.50. Fesco's stock price rose nearly 32% to open this new week at $2.17. Rounding out our biggest gains, Express Catering, which gained $1.12 to open this week at $6. On the losing side now, Productive Business Solutions' 9.75% Cumulative Redeemable was the biggest loser for the week, down 23%. The stock closed last week at $80.50. Portland JSX was second on the list. Its stock price down 23% this week. The stock opens this new week at $7.06. Rounding of the biggest losers, KLE Group, which lost nearly 23%, closed last week at 95 cents. Market Recap was brought to you by Sajico Investments. Think Wealth. Sagicor Investments. This segment of Taking Stock, the analysts, is brought to you by Jamaica Money Market Brokers.
0: Welcome back to Taking Stock. I've got a team of analysts to examine the week in business. I'm joined now by equity trader at JMB, Clive Charlton; business writer at the Observer newspaper, David Rose; and financial coach, founder, and CEO of Profit Jumpstarter, Keisha Bailey. Hi, everyone, David, Clive, Keisha. We're bound for a pretty interesting discussion today, huh?
4: Yes. <laughs> good morning, morning
3: all. Great to be here. Hi.
4: Let's start.
0: Let's start on the global front. I'm sure that you've all been following the development in Afghanistan. The Taliban has retaken the country. Uh, for somebody like me who grew up, well, my, my entire adult life has been the post-9-11 era. 9-11 happened just before I went off to college in New York. I can't believe it's been 20 years and it feels like 20 years coming right back to, to day one, starting from scratch. And now we need to look as people who are analyzing uh, the business environment, the global environment. We need to take a look and contemplate, OK, how might this massive international development affect global markets? So Keisha, you first. What's your perspective? Uh, so. It's
4: been hurting my portfolio a bit <laughs> because one of the. Main Already? Things, yes, uh, all this week. Because one of the main things that happens when you have any form of unrest like this, and to that extent, it creates a lot of investor uncertainty. Because of that, you're going to see the financial markets falling off because people are afraid to invest the money out of fear of not knowing what the future will hold. And so you couple that with what's happening with the Delta variant and concerns around growth, it's been a tough week in markets. Uh, The concern also with Afghanistan is that there's $1 trillion in minerals in the country. That's the big issue right now, because as we think more about green energy and green technologies becoming more mainstream, Afghanistan is very rich in these minerals. And so the unrest is, constricting foreign investors from wanting to invest in the country as well so all in all it's been hurting investment portfolios because of increased uncertainty in the country
0: yeah so these this is a very uh rich region in terms of resources in terms of physical resources indeed Uh, clive what's your perspective
2: yes yes keisha is quite current that's that's the first place to start up international commodities you know oil and minerals, she said, one trillion or maybe even more, you know. And the, the, interestingly, the international markets, multinational corporations, you know, having reached globally, um, we know there's in political instability, but I think the economic part, the financial part is what has caused this disruption in the marketplace. Uh, what we can hope for, though, is that, one, the government, the, well, the new... It, it, it's a surprise to us, the world, that they have taken over so quickly, but I'm sure there's a lot happening, and I'm sure the intelligence in these US, the Western world, must have had information as to what is happening, but as to when it came to us, you know, kind of quick and sudden, you know. But um, I would hope, though, that negotiation, global, international negotiation, is continuing as to how the country should function, how the country can move forward. Of course, what we have seen is parts of report, not much, not much detail I have seen, you know, that Russia, China, India apparently have already engaged the Taliban in some form of discussion. We know China had the international road and belt program, it mm-hmm. currently under the name the Belt uh-huh, and
0: Road Initiative.
2: Belt and Road yeah. Initiative, yes. And apparently Afghanistan is also a part of that, you know. So they said that some form of small background discussion has already begun. So there might be some semblance of, 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 I would say st- stability perhaps but you know my personal take on it my personal view i think let me just make a little let me just put myself put my foot in a little hot water here <laughs> if the rest, if the international western capital capital multinational corporation do not have a controlling interest or do not direct How resources are exploited in these areas i don't know how much of a into stability we can have in that region in the market in that region and perhaps in the global market for commodities yeah that's my view especially if china has some is going to make some inroads
0: and of course when we talk commodities and the middle east the first thing everybody's mind goes to is oil prices and oil prices already <laughs> are not looking pretty right so so hold on so afghanistan is afghanistan an an oil producing country it,
2: it, i'm not sure it might it might have oil i mean it's nearest it's in around the region of syria iran iraq you know yeah, um, everybody around them, them have, oil. have oil right but as trish as 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 um Trisha j- keisha just yeah. said sorry that mineral is also a significant component of their reserves you see and guess what this is what is Discovered already, and chances are there's multiple more. You know, when they speak up, when it's a one trillion, it is what is determined and certain. So, there could be even multi more.
0: Yeah, and I, I just didn't... googled it and it's saying uh, copper, gold, oil. So, there is some oil, natural mm-hmm. gas, uranium, bauxite, coal, iron, and those types of that is
2: significant. Yes, yeah, so it, it is all, it's not determined that it is very strategic. You see, yeah,
4: yeah,
2: and it's no, going it's to yeah.
4: It's going to be a major so, geopolitical issue yes, because the yes. countries that stand to benefit from this are not Afghanistan. And so you have mm-hmm. something called the resource curse where countries normally who are rich in these re- minerals and resources are the ones that do not benefit and mm-hmm. it's the international countries that come in with the foreign investment all the time. The mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting all to all see how
0: it plays out. i see an article here saying taliban to reap one trillion dollars in mineral wealth yeah (laughs) yeah. but we know that the taliban has also been uh a part of the the different type of well not minerals opium and heroin trade (laughs) opium and heroin have fueled have financed the taliban in large part over over the decades as well so that's another source of income it's not a legit source of income but yeah it's a big deal nonetheless but and, and another reason for us to keep our eye on what is going on with afghanistan and the global ramifications that i'm certain are going to come so let's come locally now Um, So that's one development that we really need to to be aware of because of the impact to on possible inflation, impact on oil prices. We've been monitoring inflation locally and Statin has just uh, delivered its latest results. What are they saying about inflation now,
4: Keisha? So inflation numbers out for July are 1.5 percent for the month. That's the highest single month inflation in seven years. The higher number was in September 2014, where inflation for that month was two percent, and the main driver behind inflation for July has been food prices, specifically ground provisions, yeah, yam and banana. Those prices have gone up. I've felt that in the in the market. Uh, also, housing has gone up because of higher electricity rates. People are also dining out more. That helped to push up prices, and also toll fees and oil prices to push up the transportation index. So point to point inflation, 5.3%, fiscal year to date, 3.4, and calendar year to date, 3.8%. Fairly high numbers. Uh we'll watch to see if it's transient or not, but um it's one to take note of and we're feeling it in our pockets. Yes. So
0: interesting you mentioned that dining out was up, Keisha, because now the government has announced three days of lockdown per week for, what is it, three weeks? And I hear a lot of, especially people in food service industry, complaining, uh, not just food service, a lot of businesses are going to be severely impacted by this with your, your work week cut short by almost half because some of them won't be able for example gyms you can't open if monday and tuesday are no movement days then you basically can't open monday and tuesday and so so clive what are you hearing from the business community about this latest um development in terms of lockdowns under another name now
2: yes well you know interestingly the real the financial sector ah, well from my you see my, my logo here, right? Right. We have been preparing for the JMB has always utilized technology from ever since, you know, and has always sought to ramp up the system um, over the period. But I see that happening right across the board. All the yeah, nearly all the financial institutions they cannot access their systems remotely, you know. So they I think are I think are more prepared to deal with it, that aspect of it. It's the real sectors. Uh, for example, the the the, the gas stations, um, the supermarket. well, the supermarkets, you know, every time there's a bump up, a significant rush. So they may be able to cover their sales yep. in a few days. But there are other areas, as the writer said, the fast food place, um, the cinemas, uh, you know, the places that people must go to. Transportation
0: are, industry, the taxi men are not going to be happy.
2: They are not going to be happy. You see, so those really are impacted and i can understand that they're not happy you know there's going to be some shortfall in revenue and their ability to 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 recover uh is key but how they're going to recover is the application of technology they have to reorganize and restructure we have to look at our business models you know now you know and how we run businesses i mean that has happened a lot in the financial sector just recently the service sector particularly the financial sector they really have ramped up their technological um, side of business, they have. But the other sectors of the economy, how ready are they and how capable are they? That's a big question.
0: Yeah, and there are some that work from home just isn't practical, like taxi drivers. You can't can't drive a taxi from home. (laughs) (laughs) It just doesn't work like that. There are some businesses that depend on that physical presence for... For you know that's their bread and butter that's how they earn money so david do you think uh this is likely to lead to more inflation in the coming months i, I know i'm asking a, a a lot of you as a as a young analyst and journalist
3: the prime minister continuous measures you probably might see an issue in terms of you know business decided to close and if people have money to spend then where are price increases going to come from and we're already seeing price increases from the international shipping costs. So last year, 2000 US dollars bringing a container is twenty thousand US dollars. Now, That's quarter, distributors themselves actually we no longer we can no longer keep these costs under control. Let's actually increase prices now. So as of yesterday, last distributors actually said, you know, as August twenty three, I should say, we're going to increase our cost over some of our goods because we can't contain the cost anymore. And so ready reality right now, even know, you're saying, asking, you know, will inflation go up in the coming months? That's a very big if, because if you're having, little no business activity, and you know you like business and dollars going in one direction, in a sense, if you're no commerce, then you, know, you might look at deflation because businesses just might close.
0: Yeah, I I really feel it for people, members of the business community, small businesses that depend on that foot traffic. I mean, you already have the entertainment industry gone, uh, yeah. basically. Um, food service, but there is ENDS. So I was telling a couple of people I know in food service that uh, they need to register for ENDS like ASAP so that you still have an opportunity to at least deliver food to your customers. At least that's one technological solution that can help. But overall, a lot of people are, are really going to feel the effect of this and with their just, business always. The, other, other yeah, just, right. So food and so, like pharmacy services, grocery items and so on uh, that people would be able to deliver. So that's one solution. Uh, I also want to look at a couple of things in the market. So there is some news on the IPO front, Clive. I hear that's there. Uh, there's a vet service provider that wants to list
2: animal care hospitality service it's a vet uh it's it is seeking to, to well it, it is now doing its due diligence that is um it's broker investment broker you know it's going through the financials the regulatory and you know the necessary um compliance and regulatory thing to see how well and how best it can come public Uh, I think the article did state who that lead investment banker is, you know. But this is brand new. This provides diversification to the marketplace. That is not just a vet. The revenue so far indicated in that article is that they they do over 200 million Jamaican dollars of gross revenue per annum. You know, I, I said to people, look here, money is money you know yeah 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 don't say it's too small or too big money is money right and if it employs people permanently over the last 20 30 years then you can put it on the market of course we want to know it's stable you know it, it it abides by the whole regulator process you know we want to know that it's not breaking in law or not subject to any you know Thing yeah, and this
0: medical service. There are other companies listed that are in medical service. Medical like
2: MDS is in distribution exactly. Medical distribution right. Um, this will go into here's it does animal um hospital care one, uh distribution animal products Mm
4: -hmm. you
2: name it yes you know animals are like human beings now right (laughs) almost right and I then have one oh, at home.
0: Oh, yes. <laughs> even have a human name bella <laughs> exactly exactly name like people wear clothes and everything yes <laughs> yeah.
2: yes they get medication they get shots you know they have toys they have them car carrier you name it right so there's a market for that and jamaica our culture really has adjusted to that yeah the dog provides a primary well in certain areas of protection but you know there are also companions that is important and it's not just about pet dogs or toy dogs if you want to call them that it's really about maintaining an animal and ensure that animal is in the best of care you know so that sells you know it's a business um but there are also the testing the test products now the article didn't go deeply into what kind of testing you know the test food products medication it really didn't go into detail but that's a that looks like to me another area you know, of of business opportunity, separate from just the animal care, right, and product. So important in terms of the market is diversification, right? Um, Again, we have a new opportunity, a new business line, a new um, sector that we can put our resources into and we can derive some income from. So that is good for the market, diversification.
0: Yeah, Uh, there's also another real estate company looking to list, Clive?
2: Yes, yes, this is 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 now- well, this is, it has a, this is Cygnus, Cygnus Real Estate Finance Limited. Huh?
0: Oh, that IPO is already out. Yeah. Yes, yeah. it is
2: already out.
0: Exactly. I thought right. it was something different. Yes. Right.
2: Well, yes, um, I'm,
0: I'm very excited about Cygnus Real Estate Finance based on, you know, I think these guys are just brilliant and also based on their strategies in mm-hmm. their approach to business. But yes. let me hear your take on it.
2: Right. What I like with the Cygnus group is that they are focused on the real productive sector. It it is a finance company, yes, but their financing is on the real productive sector, small and medium size. So I think they are really aiding the, the economy, the small economy. That I think is important. And I said the real productive sector, because guess what? The base of any economy is the real production. That is people physically moving doing things it's not just like me sit down around the desk on a computer managing money you know um and that is good if the finance sector really cannot exist without the real sector you know so putting resources in the real sector is important now here's the thing with the jamaican economy we really have been in a stagnated um position for the last 30 to 40 years so i think that the ball is really in our court to grow you know, and I think these guys have seized the opportunity. What they have established to do is confidence that investors think they you know, believe that they can give them their money and say, look here, do what you can with it. You're providing a service, I would give a return. So I think that is good for them. And this is called Cygnus Real Estate Finance Limited. And they were seeking to raise, well, over 207 shares times four dollars. That's probably over a billion Jamaican dollars uh, so far, right? Um and they have several projects already and some have begun already you see so i expect good things from them right again we did a
0: we did a we did a couple of interviews with them a few weeks ago about it so yeah that's definitely one to watch for me well thank you all for joining me today Uh, look forward to yeah look forward to further discussions with you thanks for your analysis
2: thank you again
5: for having us
0: bye All right. Take (laughs) care. Stay tuned for a preview of this week's content.
5: This segment of Taking Stock, The Analysts, was brought to you by Jamaica Money Market Brokers.
0: That's our show for this week. Thanks for watching. Make sure you like this video, subscribe to this channel and share with a friend. Also subscribe to our newsletter at kalilarunnelscom newsletter and turn on those post notifications so that you can be the first to see all of my other content. We want to help people learn more about money so we can all get this money together. So this week on Money Mondays, J.A., Guyana's new oil boom is set to transform that country's economy. So many are looking to invest in the South American nation. I'll tell you how you can invest on the Guyana Stock Exchange. And on Money Moves, J.A., can employers demand that their employees get vaccinated? We'll find out. So, follow me on Instagram and Twitter, also on TikTok at Khalilah Ray, and follow at TakingStockJA on Instagram. If you want to connect with the analysts this week, check the description box below for their contact information. Also, visit our website, KhalilahReynolds.com, for financial information you can use however you like it. Watch, listen, or read. Now, tell a friend about taking stock because investing It's the new sexy, so let's make it cool to talk about money. I'm Kalila Reynolds. Let's get this money. Let's get this money.